Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad that you are watching today. Uh, Chris gave such a kind introduction of me just now, but there is one thing that he left out, probably for good reason, and that is that I, Emily Scoglin, am a preschool dropout. It's true. It's true. I only lasted three days in preschool. And, you know, everything started out great. I love playing with the toys. And they had those little cardboard blocks that looked like bricks you could build houses with and stuff. And I love snack time and playing with all my little friends. But then every day it would come to the worst part, nap time. And I hated naps. And every time I would just lay on my little cot and stare at the ceiling and count the ceiling tiles until finally my parents would come and pick me up. And when they did, I would cry and carry on and complain so much that finally they just let me drop out of preschool, and I became a preschool dropout. And you know, I'm 34 years old now, and sometimes I wish I could just sit down with little four-year-old Emily and just put my hands on her shoulder and look in her eyes and say, what is wrong with you? Because I love naps now. I mean, naps are awesome. Don't you all just love naps? I know I can't see you right now, but wherever you are, in your home or wherever, I want you to just raise your hand if you love naps, right? Aren't naps awesome? And what do we call those people who aren't raising their hands right now? Asleep. Yeah, because they're taking a nap right now, because naps are awesome. And I don't get to take naps that often, um, but every once in a while, the stars will align, and I'll be home alone with my son, and I'll lay him down for a nap, and I'm like, yes. This is my chance. I'm going to get a nap. So I jump into bed, and I get all cozy, and I get ready for my nap. And if I'm honest, most of the time, I end up just staring at the ceiling. I guess I've never really been that good at resting. But one thing that God has been trying to teach me over the last few months is that for followers of Jesus, rest is not just a luxury. It's a necessity. And if you're watching today and you're not a follower of Jesus... I think this is something that you could benefit from as well. So before you check out and take a nap right now, um, keep in mind that rest has been proven to give us more energy, less pain, better memory, and productivity. So I think if you can stick with me today, you'll be able to get some benefit from this as well. You know, I kind of I find it ironic that right now in our country, almost the majority of our country has been forced to stop. And yet the last word that I would use to describe the current state of events is restful. It's been amazing to me how difficult it has been for us as a country to stop. I saw this post on Facebook the other day. Um, It said, our grandfathers were asked to go to war. We are being asked to sit on the couch. We can do this. And, you know, it sounds easy, but it's really hard. When we're used to this fast-paced life, stopping and resting can almost seem surreal. And if we're able to take advantage of it, though, I think that this time of social distancing could truly be a gift and that we could all learn about a lot about the true value of rest. So let's dive into the teaching and talk about what it means to experience true rest. So, you know, every Sunday after I leave this place, after an awesome celebration of God's love, and I walk out of these doors, I leave with one thing on my mind, Chick-fil-A. 
I love Chick-fil-A. I mean, I've never had something there I didn't like. They've got those tasty, juicy chicken sandwiches and the yummy fries, and they have the best chocolate chip cookies of any restaurant that I've ever been to. And every Sunday after church, I get a craving for Chick-fil-A. Well, about a minute later, it occurs to me that it's closed. Every single Sunday, it's closed. And it makes you think, why would a restaurant make such a poor business decision like that? Especially right now when a lot of restaurants are limited to just drive through why would they close one day every week? There was an article in the Los Angeles Times a few years ago that estimated Chick-fil-A loses over $47 million a year just by being closed on Sunday. Um, in fact, last year during the Super Bowl at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Chick-fil-A had a restaurant in the stadium, and they closed on Super Bowl Sunday, missing out on 70,000 potential sales from fans there. And it makes you wonder, why would they do that? It has to hurt their bottom line, right? Well, in fact, it's quite the opposite. And there was a QSR magazine report last year that said Chick-fil-A that year made more money per restaurant than any other fast food company in the nation. So, in fact, they produced more in six days and made more than in seven. Well, why is that? How could they possibly do better in six days than seven? Well, part of the reason is that their founder of Chick-fil-A believes in this biblical concept called Sabbath. And he chooses to run his business using these principles. Now, if you grew up in church, then you may have heard of this term Sabbath. It's traditionally a day where uh, Christians kind of rest and worship God, usually on a Sunday. But where did this whole idea of Sabbath start? Well, if you go back to the beginning of the Bible, to Genesis chapter 2, we have an account of God creating the world. Um, The sun and the moon and the stars and the animals and the people, everything. And then on the seventh day, it says that he rested. And when I first read this, when I was a little kid, I thought, oh, he took a nap. He went to sleep. But then as I got older, I started to question, okay, if God is supposed to be all-powerful, why would he need to sleep? Why would he need to rest? And then I read in Psalms that God doesn't sleep, nor does he slumber. So what was he doing at this time? Well, if you look in the Hebrew word in this passage for rest, it's a word called Shabbat. And Shabbat means to cease or to stop. So God wasn't sleeping when he rested because he was tired. He rested because he was done. He was finished with his creation, and he was satisfied in the work that he had done. It's kind of like when I ask my husband to clean up the living room, and he picks up two things and then goes and sits on the couch. In his mind, he is done. He's finished. And on that seventh day, God was satisfied that he had completed the work, and he trusted that it was finished. So, fast forward to the book of Exodus. Here we see God's people in captivity, in slavery in Egypt. And in fact, they had been slaves for over 400 years. Seven days a week, hard labor every single day. The word rest was not even in their vocabulary. But God sent a man named Moses to come and to help them flee from their captivity and escape into the wilderness. And he did, and they did, and everything was great. They were free out in the desert, and it was all good until they got hungry. And then they started to complain, and they came to Moses, and they said, Why can't you let us go back to Egypt and be slaves again rather than die out here of hunger? 
And so Moses listened to their complaints and he prayed to God and said, God, we need a miracle. You've got to do something. And God responded and he rained down this bread, this thin honey tasting bread, this white bread from heaven called manna. And every day he would rain down this bread on them. And the Israelites would go out and they would collect this bread and there would be just enough to satisfy them for that day. Well, on the sixth day, when they went out to gather this bread, they noticed something strange, and that was there was twice as much bread as normal. So they gathered all this bread, and then they went to Moses for an explanation, and this is what he said. This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake and boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. And so they set some aside, and on the next day, the seventh day, they had just enough to satisfy them the entire day. But there were still some people who went out on that seventh day looking to collect more bread. And it goes on to say in Exodus, some people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. The Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That is why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day, so that there will be enough for two days. On the seventh day, you must each stay in your place. Do not go out and pick up food on the seventh day. So the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. So why did these people blatantly disobey God and go out and collect food? And why was it so important to him that they didn't? Well, I believe it's because God wanted them to trust him. He wanted them to trust that if they took a day to rest and to worship him, that he would provide. But some of them couldn't do it. They couldn't just sit back and rest. They thought they would starve. If they didn't go out and collect, they couldn't wrap their minds around the idea that God could provide for them. And that is our big idea for today, that you can't have true rest without trust. You can't have true rest without trust. And, you know, I can relate to those seventh day gatherers a little bit. Because when I first heard the news that schools were canceled and all extracurricular activities were done and we were postponing all our our groups and events of the jar, first thing I did, I started to make a mental list of all the things I was going to get done. You know, cleaning the house, organizing different house projects. I thought about how I'd go to the office and get ahead on all of this different stuff. And then I had to stop myself for a moment and ask myself, what if God wants me to use this time to stop? and to rest, and to reconnect with him. But the truth is, I'm just not very good at this thing called rest. But I am starting to see the value of it. See, I uh, I work part-time outside of the home, and to me that's a huge blessing. I get to be with my kids more often. But in the past couple of years, I noticed that I was still working every single day. And on days, my days off, it might just be an hour or two, but still working nonetheless. And I also found that when I wasn't working, I was thinking about the work that I was going to do later that day. And I started to feel exhausted. And my anxiety went through the roof. And right about that time, I sensed God calling me to take one day a week and not do any work. And for me, that was a Monday. And so I did some rearranging and some planning. And I was able to make that work to not do work on Monday. And I did feel a lot better. 
after that happened. Um, but then God started pressing a little bit more, and it got a little bit uncomfortable. And I sensed him prompting me to not make any phone calls or send any emails on that day. And that's when I started to get a little bit scared. Because to me, I was like, God, what if, you know, I disappoint someone or let someone down or I was afraid I would get stressed out and get behind on work and all these different things. But when I finally did listen and obey, uh, when that ask came, it was awesome. And it was it was so awesome when I was able to play with my kids and enjoy them and not have my mind be distracted. And I have more time to read and to pray and to just rest with God. And now it's my favorite day of the week that I always look forward to. Well, recently at the beginning of this year, I sensed God to take it even to another level and to not even open my email on that day of rest. And you know how many times I have successfully done that? Goose egg. Zero. I have completely failed at it. But it's my goal and I'm going to keep working towards it because I know that rest is so valuable, and I'm learning that part of trusting God and experiencing the Sabbath is resting our bodies. And that's something that we can all do to experience that Sabbath is rest our bodies. So how about you? How are you doing at resting your body? You know, many of you watching right now have been forced to stop over the last couple of weeks. And for some of you, That's probably been a struggle. Maybe you're the type of person that you're sending emails at 2 o'clock in the morning and you go on four hours of sleep just trying to stay ahead. Or maybe every waking moment you're thinking about work. Or maybe you don't work outside the home, but maybe you pack your schedule with volunteer activities and social events and it's hard for you to even catch your breath and you felt like you are in a whirlwind and now everything has come to a halt and you feel lost. You, you really don't know what to do with yourself. And if that's you, and if you have felt that way, I want to ask you, do you think maybe just a tiny little bit of that comes from a lack of trust? Do you maybe struggle to believe that if you rest, that God will provide enough money for you and your family? Or do you have a hard time believing that if you rest, that you'll be successful at work or that you'll get the next promotion Or is it hard for you to rest because you're afraid you might let people down or you might lose that image of being the super mom or the super dad? And if that's you, I just want to encourage you to put your faith out there and during this time of social distancing to just take one day where you Shabbat, where you cease, where you stop. And just for a moment to rest in the presence of God and Put your laptop away, turn your phone off, stop rushing around, and just be still. And I imagine that some of you, even if I say that, you're just, your anxiety, you're already feeling that, and that thought of resting terrifies you. And if that's you, I think God wants to say to you, just stop, just for a little while. Stop and rest and trust in me and trust that I'll provide if you'll be obedient. Just stop. And when life goes back to normal and our calendars are full again and our schedules are packed, don't look back at this time and say, wow, you know, I really had a lot of time with God and I really focused on my family and had quality time there. And that was that was great, man. I wish I could go back to that time. But that was then. This is now. That's over. No, don't do that. Hang on to that gift of Sabbath rest. 
Make rest a part of your life. Design your life around it. Plan it in your schedule. Make rest a priority in your life and don't lose it. Don't disregard this gift of rest that God has given you. Now, you might be thinking, okay, I can rest, but what am I supposed to do when I rest? Do I just lay in bed all day and watch Netflix or play video games? Or am I supposed to be, like, praying and reading my Bible? What does that look like? Well, I think rest is different for everybody. And what's restful for me may not be restful for you. But I think one way that we can look at of how we can rest is by following the example of Jesus. So we're going to take a look at a couple of passages in the Bible of when Jesus experienced Sabbath and when he rested. And there were times when we see Jesus taking a nap and and actually resting. And other times on the Sabbath, he was very active and he was doing things that kind of rejuvenated him and and filled him with energy. And so we're going to look at a couple examples of those. Um, First passage comes from Luke 4, um, verse 16. And it says, when he, Jesus, came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. So if you look right after the words he went, it says, as usual. This was a regular thing. This was a habit for Jesus to go to his church, the synagogue, and to be with God. And so for us, that could mean coming to church or streaming church like you are now and just taking some time to be able to sit and rest in the presence of God. Let's look at another passage. This is from Matthew 12. And it says, then Jesus went over to their synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes so they could bring charges against him. And he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored just like the other one. Jesus makes it very clear here that it always honors him to do good on the Sabbath. So in these times of rest, do good. Serve your family. Call a friend that is lonely and just have a conversation with them. Pick up some groceries for an elderly person that maybe can't do it. And use that time of rest to do good. One more passage. This is from Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. It says that about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. So this practice of gleaning the fields, as Jesus was doing with his disciples, this was kind of like the first century equivalent of going through a drive through So Jesus is picking up a meal with his disciples, the people he is most committed to. And for us, this could look like picking up some carryout and spending time with the people that you love the most, sharing a meal together and talking about your day, telling some jokes and just enjoying that time together. So to follow Jesus' example of rest, enjoy that gift that God has given you. Come to church or stream church. Take a nap. Have a meal with your family. Go do good for someone. Enjoy that gift. But most of all, rest in knowing that you can have full confidence in God that he is in control. Now, there are some schedules that can make taking a Sabbath much more difficult. For example, I have a friend in my small group who works at the hospital. So this is an essential job, and she works seven days on and seven days off. So in that week that she's on, she can't take a day off. And so I asked her, what does Sabbath look like for you? And this is what she said. 
On the weeks I'm working, I usually take my dinner breaks to listen to a church service, a podcast, or just a few minutes of quiet time. Or in the time that I'm at home, I might take a nap or just a few hours to rest and rejuvenate. I like to have a little quiet time, too, with God. I have another friend who is a stay-at-home mom, and you might be thinking, well, every day is a day of rest for her, right? Well, if you think that, you're wrong, because she works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and even though she loves her job, she never gets a break from it. And some of you have probably become stay-at-home parents in the last couple weeks, and so you understand what that's like. And so I asked her, what does Sabbath look like for you? And she said, if I'm being honest, this is a very hard thing for me. I live in my work zone. So for me to see my house, my laundry, lack of groceries, etc., it's hard to take Sunday to rest. But it's something I've been working on. First of all, we made a choice to gear Sundays to cycle around church. It's our priority, so we don't plan anything during that time. I try to make a point to have leftovers on Sunday and get laundry done and put away before Sunday, get groceries bought before Sunday. So all this means Friday and Saturday can be very busy for me. But Sabbath rest isn't just about not doing chores, but all these things so I can invest time to go to church to have personal time with God and quality time with my family. It's not a perfect system, but that's how we try to do it. So whatever you need to do to have Sabbath rest, whether it's from Sunday morning to bedtime or something completely different, do it. And let God show you that he can do more with six days and trust than he can do in seven days without trust. So the first way that we can experience true rest is by resting our bodies. And the second way that we can experience true rest is by resting our minds. I mentioned earlier that when I do get a chance to take a nap, I usually end up just staring at the ceiling. I have a hard time resting my mind because it seems like it's just going and going and going, trying to figure things out and worrying about the past and worrying about the future. And it's hard for me to let my mind rest. And I wonder if any of you maybe are experiencing this lately. Maybe you're off work right now, and all the sporting events are canceled, and social events have stopped, and all of a sudden you have a bunch of free time, but your mind can't rest because you have these anxious thoughts that keep coming. Maybe you are worried about what's going to happen with the economy, or maybe you've been asking yourself, when is all this going to return to normal? Or maybe you've worried about getting sick or someone in your family getting sick. And maybe you find yourself sitting on the couch watching TV and about halfway through, you realize you don't even know what's going on with the story because your mind is elsewhere. Or maybe you're outside playing with your kids, but they can tell that you're not really there with them because your mind is distracted on something else. And, you know, I feel this way often because my body may be at rest, but my mind can't rest because I'm not able to trust God with the things in my life. And I experienced this just a couple months ago. I was sitting in my car, just kind of talking to God before work, and I was having a very hard time focusing on him because my mind was distracted by this conference that I was in charge of for teenage girls that was coming up. And I had just found out that we lost our venue. And so I was in panic mode, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have to figure this out. We don't have a venue. And as I was worrying about this, I sensed God speak to my spirit in a whisper, not out loud, just in my heart, be still. And my gut reaction was, I can't be still. I mean, i got to send some emails, make some calls. i got to do whatever I can until we find a new venue. I have to work this out. But then again, I sensed that whisper, be still. 
And so I took a deep breath and I said, okay, God, you're telling me to be still. I'm going to put this in your hands and I'm not going to think about it anymore. And so I prayed a little bit more and then I I got up and I went inside the office and I opened my email. And right there in my email, I had received one almost exactly to the minute that I had had that conversation with God about being still. And guess what it said? It said that we had a venue and it was exactly what we needed and everything worked out perfectly and we were able to have a conference and God did some great things and touched so many girls' hearts through that. And it makes me wonder, why don't I do this more often? Why do I worry instead of just saying, God, you've got this and trusting him and allowing myself to be still? And you know, the truth is over these past couple weeks, I've had to tell myself to be still over and over and over again. Like when I found out that school was canceled and now we had to figure out childcare for our kids, I had to remind myself, be still. Or when we found out we couldn't have church at the Civic and we had two days to figure out what we were going to do, be still. Or when I found out I couldn't meet with my small group with some of my best friends, be still. And I've had to tell myself again and again, Be still. And every time God has worked things out and it has all come out okay as I've trusted him to be still. Well, several weeks ago, before I had even heard of this term COVID-19 or social distancing or any of that, I read this passage in Proverbs and it just seems so relevant to the times that we're in today. It gives this promise that if we trust in God, you'll take afternoon naps without a worry You'll enjoy a good night's sleep. No need to panic over alarms or surprises or predictions that doomsday is just around the corner because God will be right there with you. He'll keep you safe and sound. And, you know, this makes me think of someone who takes great afternoon naps, and that is my son, Joshua. He's one and a half years old. And the other day on my day uh, day off, I laid him down for a nap, And he put his little hands behind his head like he does and just kind of drifted off to sleep. Well, about half an hour later, I heard him screaming and crying in his room. And something had startled him awake. And I knew he wasn't going to go back to sleep. So I went into his room. I picked him up out of his crib. And I just sat down in the rocking chair and held him in my arms. And about a minute later, this was the result. He was sleeping like a baby. So why is it that in his crib he was screaming and crying upset and then a minute later in my arms he was at peace and calm and asleep? Well, it's because he trusts me and he knows that I'm his mom and I'm not going to let anything bad happen to him. He feels safe with me and calm and at peace. And that's what our Father God wants to do for us. He wants to be able to hold us in his arms let us be calm and rest and relax and trust that he is in control. And so today, I want you to be able to experience a little bit of that rest that my son Joshua felt. And so the band is going to come, and they're going to play this song called Still. And as you listen to it, wherever you are, in your room or on the couch or whatever, I want you to just sit back and relax and be still. You can close your eyes if you want to. If you fall asleep, that's okay. But I want you to just sit and rest and relax and listen to the steady, consistent beat of God's heart. 
revival where Jesus is talking to a group of people. And they're not religious people. They're the kind of people that maybe would have been called sinners back in that day. But they had grown up in this religious system where they were told, you have to do this and this and this and don't do this and don't do that. And if you don't measure up, then God will never accept you. And God will never love you. And they had been trying so hard to meet this impossible standard. And they were tired. And Jesus looked at them with so much compassion. And he said, are you tired? Worn out? Burn out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And some of you may feel that way today. Maybe you have been trying so hard your whole life to live up this standard and to measure up. And you've been trying so hard to do the right thing and do the, not do the wrong thing so that God will accept you. And I think what you need today is rest for your souls. And I think Jesus wants to say to you today, come to me and I will give you rest. And if you want to receive that rest today, that true rest that can only come from trusting in Jesus and a relationship with him, then I want to lead you in a prayer today. And this is my prayer, but it can be your prayer too uh, if you just mean it in your heart as you say it. And here at the jar, we never pray alone. So even though you may be alone where you're sitting today, um, we're all going to be praying this prayer with you. And I would just ask that you repeat this prayer after me and mean that prayer in your own heart. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm tired of trying to be good enough on my own. Today, I want to trust in your goodness. Thank you for giving your life for me so that I don't have to be good enough. I believe that you died and rose again so that I could have life. Forgive me for everything I've done wrong. I commit my life to living for you. you prayed that prayer just now, maybe for the first time, or maybe you've recommitted your life to Jesus today, there's a button on this page that says, I accepted Christ, and I'd love for you to just hit that button and and let me know that you made that decision so I can celebrate that with you, and we can support you in that. And if you want someone to pray with you, there'll be someone online that would be happy to do that. Well, I hope that you all have a wonderful and a restful week. Know that you're loved in this place, and have a great Sunday.